Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 3.30, Vinny Bonsignor for the Morning Tailgate, also the Las Vegas Review Journal. He'll join the show. He actually got a shout-out from uh, Pat McAfee earlier today uh, talking about Darren Waller and the contract extension that should be coming down the pipeline. Looks like it's getting closer and closer. Uh, Pat McAfee put up a tweet from Vinny and then shouted him out and said, oh, this is from Vinny Bonsignor. And he did it, you know, his little Italian voice, and he said it perfectly. So Vinny uh, quote tweeted and said, hey, you even got the pronunciation right and sounded sounded really good. The family would approve. So that's pretty cool when Pat McAfee Shouts out someone uh, from here. He shout, shout I don't out know some- if it was two years ago or last year, but mm-hmm. he did it. It was like the same thing. Oh, this tweet. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he didn't say it with such good oh, really? pronunciation. And I played it for Vinny, and he didn't find it as funny. It was just like, of course oh, not. He didn't say my name right though. Right, right. Like, oh, there was someone. I can't remember who it was though. There was someone in the the Raiders media not too long ago that Pat McAfee was was shouting out. So I, I can't remember who that was. But hey, that's for another day. Not a big deal. Uh, again, Vinny will be coming up at 3.30. The question that we've been throwing out there to you on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r and also 702-365-9200. What will be the key to this week's game versus the Chargers? And then also a little side question. Who do you expect to be that surprise team this season, similar to what we saw from the Bengals a season ago? Got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D. Love today's topic. Here are my keys to the game. One, control the clock by continuing to get first downs on offense. Two, scoring touchdowns and not settling for field goals versus a team like the Chargers. Lots of points need to be scored versus the Chargers defense. And three, we need to get off the field after holding the Chargers on third down. Absolutely no silly penalties, allowing them to get easy first downs to extend their drives. Oh, yeah, four, we can't afford to give the Chargers good field position at any point in this game. If we can execute these four keys to the game, we will win on Sunday. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And, yeah, I mean, you know, controlling the clock is is awesome. You know, that, that I believe you can do uh, by way of the run game, you know, and that also will help out your offensive line. Uh, we talk about it all the time. Score seven, you know, get seven or, or six. Six is a touchdown instead of a three. You know, like Fabian always says, no minus four. You can't have those situations. you got to score touchdowns. Uh, and then you got to get off the field on third, third and long. If you hold them, no stupid penalties, you know. And I think that, again, you're going to see a big improvement in that area from the Raiders this year. I don't believe you'll see a bunch of stupid penalties. It's just my gut feeling. Also got a text. Money, cash, respect. Wasn't that the locks? Yep. It sure was. That was definitely the locks. Uh, and I said it last uh, last hour that it was, you know, an old Diddy song. It, sounded, it had a Diddy sound to it, right? <laughs> it was very Diddy-like. No, you're right, though. It, it was definitely the locks. But, you know, they, they all had that same kind of feel to them. So there you go. You knew it was from, from that, that region. Uh, but, no, good catch on that one. Money, re- cash, respect. That was definitely the locks. And then East Bay Raider Gray said, I love it, Q. Never stop paddling. That should be the mantra this year. I told you. I told you, DeMond. I'm on to something. I'm on to something. Print that thing up. Print it up. Put it on a T-shirt. I'll get right on it. Hey, man, do what you got to do. I'm telling you, man. I'm on to something. At the end of the year, you know, the Raiders are going to say, you know what the key to the whole season was? Not the great coaching. Not the great players. It was that damn mantra we heard on Raider Nation Radio 920 on September 8th. That damn unnecessary roughness. Q said never stop paddling. We just kept on paddling. Well, we know some people do listen. Uh, we do. So, shout out to the thing. Shout out to the GM, Dave Ziegler. He, he, he called it out. He said, hey, unnecessary roughness. Radio Nation Radio 920. I mean, that's what he said. 
He listens. So if the GM listens, some other folks probably listen. There's a reason why I've probably been blocked by a couple people. <laughs> Trent Brown blocked me while he was a Raider. So there's that. Still don't know why. All I was doing, oh, was, I all I, all I was doing was saying the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. That's true. That's true. <laughs> 702-365-9200. We got a caller up real quick. Who we got? We got a couple. Passing the Raider real first. Passing the Raider. Welcome to the show, my man. Hey, how's your son doing? Is he okay? Man, yeah, man. Q, thank you for asking, man. And good afternoon, everybody. Man, yeah, after I hung up the phone about a half hour yesterday, I get a phone call at my other son's Facebook game. Oh, yeah, the ambulance is on the way. Okay, I get there, dude. It looked like Derek Carr's foot. I'm like, no! Oh, no. No! No! So, man, you know, Q, thanks for asking, man. Thanks for the prayers, man. He's all right. I come home from work today, man. He's sitting in the bed, and the first thing he says is, Dad, I ain't had no pain pills all day. Answer prayer, man. It snapped clean, man. They were able just to to, to uh, set it back in place with no surgery, man. So, oh, good, ooh, good. The yep. Lord, man. Praise the Lord. Yep. But man, Q, my I always call when I always call it, Q. I always say I'm not going to get hyped up as soon as the hairline <laughs> opens. It just happens, man. It just happens when I talk about my silver and black, man. These boys just get me fired up, Q. But my keys to the game are going to be on Sunday, man. It's going to be both the the defensive line and the offensive line. Those two are those two position groups right there are going to control this game. Are we going to be able to get pressure on Herbert? I know we are. We all know we are. But we got to see it happen, man. And are we going to be able to have two guys that's going to be able to pay attention to Bosa and Mac, man? And, and they've also got other guys that's going to be able to be running free, man. They're going to have to pick up. They're going to have to rotate. They're going to have to chip. They're going to have to do everything they can. They're just going to have to play for Raider Nation. And my man that I'm looking for to have a breakout game, I've kind of been sitting back and thinking, but I think it's Nate Hobbs, man. I think Nate Hobbs is going to come out. I think he's going to get one off of Herbert and take it to the house. Take it to the house is what he's going to do, Q. That's what Nate Hobbs is going to do. We're going to get this team fired up, and I hope it happens in the first quarter, Q. I hope it happens so we can set that tone early, early. I don't want no nail-biter all game long, Q. I want to stick it in them where the sun don't shine. Let's go. Lay that boy down. Boy Blunder, you ain't on nothing because Mad Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are on the way. Let's go. There you go. He told you. He told you. Don't mean to get all hyped, but then it happens. It just it takes over. It's natural, man. It's like he's, he goes to church and all of a sudden, you know, it just comes over him. He can't control himself. It just happens. He gets fired up. I understand. Happens to me all the time. I get, fired, I get fired up when I don't mean to get fired up. I wake up and I get fired up. The wife don't think that's too cool, but it happens. Who you got up next, man? Border Jumper Raider. Oh, my brother. Border Jumper Raider. What's up, brother? Hey, thanks for taking my call, kid. How you been? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. All right. So, the team that, uh, it's obvious. We're Raider Nation. I got to go with the Raiders. That are going to be the team that, uh, is going to surprise everybody. Okay. And, uh, and I think, you know, I went in and took a tour of SoFi, and I went to the Chargers, but there was no trophy case. Raiders! Boom. With the zinger. Border jumper Raider right there. I like that. He said there was no trophy case when it comes to the charges. Let's take one more quick call. Great call, my man. It's good to hear from you. Let's hear from our guy, Raider Mack. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, uh, Q and uh, Jamon. Hey, man, I appreciate this show, man. I, I mean, there's a lot of people listening that's not a Raider fan. I know some Charger fans are listening this week because they want to know what's going on because they don't have the same thing we have, and we appreciate that, man, because we didn't have this last year. Hey, uh, 
I think the key to the game is going to be special teams. I know everybody looking at the offenses mm. and defense with the both teams so close on with 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 the talent. Special teams going to be the somebody either going to return a punt and their special uh, the Chargers special team been horrible this this uh, preseason. Ours was a little bit bad at the beginning, but we we. We came through, and uh, uh, the team is the Detroit Lions. You watch and see; they gonna they they gonna be good this year. Okay, okay, good stuff. All right, then, Q. You guys take care, man. I appreciate. It. Great call. You know what? I, I was not an, an area of the team that I was talking about was the special teams, but that's a good point, Raider Mac. If the Raiders can do something field position wise, you know, either pin the Chargers deep or make it to their advantage, you know, have a big kick return, have a big play on special teams. That could be a big factor right there. I like that. You know what I just thought about special teams-wise? What'd you think of? Remember when Brandon Staley tried to go with that fake punt <laughs> last season? Just, I don't know. It's just, you it's, do not like you some Brandon Staley. It's just, I don't know. It's just always something with this guy. Man, I need to get a one-on-one, you and Brandon Staley, you just sit down and interview him. That would be, be fantastic. It would be too aggressive. <laughs> he wouldn't like it. No, I'm sure he wouldn't. He'd be like, so what were you thinking? When you decide it, and I'd be like, no, nah, that wasn't a good enough answer. He's going to be like, hey, man, I don't appreciate your tone, exactly. man. Pump, pump like, that back. Yeah, he's going to be like, hey, man. <laughs> pump that back. Are you going, like, these questions are slanted. Why are you a failure? Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Let's go out to Denver. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Dave. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you very much. I'm burning up down here in Pueblo, Colorado today, man. It is hot down here. Hey, I got a couple keys for you and a question uh, to get your idea on uh, – what Vinny said earlier today, but I'll get to that in a second. You know, I, I just think that this really in the season, you do what you could do solid. And, you know, people are right about, you know, time of possession, and that takes the run game, getting you in the proper down and distance where you can possibly run the ball on third down and just keep it away from having that offense on the field across from you. But I think that if you want to go ahead and, and invite them to put eight in the box to stop it, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Let's go ahead and just send Devontae. I think they're going to get chunk yards, you know, with the pass game. But I do believe it'll be a 24-20 win. I like your estimate earlier this morning. Or I think or I heard Jimmy was on the podcast. You yeah. said 27-20, 26-20. Yep. Yeah, 27-20. I think we're thinking about the same right there. And then he said something earlier today. Uh, I had to chime back with a two-letter response to Clay. Uh, he said that the Raiders were perfectly fine with tying that game at the end of the year. Now, I just call BS on that. There is no way. There is no way this team would be in field goal distance and not take a shot to do that. Yeah. What do you think? I, I agree. I agree. Great call, my man. Appreciate you. I agree 100%. And I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, the Raiders were fine with uh, you know going and tying that game, and, and both teams ended up making it to the playoffs, where I think that maybe Vinny's talking about, he's coming up in 15 minutes, uh, what he, he's meaning is – they, they knew that they were going to be in the playoffs, right? They knew that, that they had secured that. They wanted the win, but I think that they were already like, okay, hey, we've got at least at least the tie, and we're going to go to the playoffs. I, I think. I can't speak for them because I don't know. But I don't think, in, in my heart, to me, and this is just me, and this is the competitor in me, I don't think at any point they wanted a tie, right? I, I just I don't see that. you know. And I remember right after that game, I remember someone asking uh, Rich Basaccia was – was a tie in mind, and he's like, "Well, it was in mind, yeah." But I don't, I don't think that that at any point he wanted to, yeah. Let's just tie this game, and both of us go to the playoffs. I don't think that that was ever uh, in, in the situation. Again, that's a competitor of me. Because, Wait, did he say that? Because I remember him saying, "Don't know, it didn't happen." No, he said he he said it was something that we we talked about. He, oh. he did say that. Yeah, I remember him saying we we something we talked about, but he didn't say that it was like, yeah, we wanted that. I just again, I mean, look, if it's 
me and you, Damon, and you know, you're my brother. I want the best for you and everything, but there's no way I want to tie with you. Oh, well, cute. Me and you both can go on. No, I'm winning. We can both go on a date with J-Lo. No, 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 we can't. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Nope. I mean, the rest of the country's been with her, but who cares? You know, it's just, you can't. <laughs> I got to have, I got to have something to hang my head on. Just saying. Yeah. It's just, it's, but again, that's the competitor in me. So we'll see. We'll ask uh, Vinny what his uh, his thoughts are on that when he comes up at 3.30. And uh, one more text from the Mailman Raider, then we'll get to Patrick Graham. Uh, I got one key to victory, and that's coaching play calling. Does Brandon Staley go for it on fourth and, and whatever? And what will Patrick Graham be doing to counter? Excited to see what McDaniels draws up. That's from Mailman Raider. And yeah, the coaching, that was one of my keys on the podcast that I had. I did the crossover edition with the Chargers, and I said, you know, one of the biggest chess matches I'm going to uh, pay attention to on Sunday is that chess match between head coach Josh McDaniels and head coach Brandon Staley. Staley is a defensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator at heart. He's a defensive minded guy. And obviously Josh McDaniels is an offensive mind guy at heart. So how do they, how do they have a little chess match with, with each other? How do they counter each other? That's what I'm interested in seeing. 316 is the time. Let's go ahead and jump into this conversation that Patrick Graham had, the defensive coordinator with the media a little earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Obviously, going against the Chargers, their quarterback, uh, coaching. How much of, of last year's tape do you take a look at? Last, you, last year's tape? Yeah, you're preparing for this year. Oh, yeah, a lot, a lot. You got, you got, especially, you know, didn't see a lot of snaps in the preseason there. You know, not as a full group, but you take a look at it, you know, try to look up, you know, whether it's tendencies, but really right now for the first game, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. So it's really just getting familiar with the players again, you know, and then fortunately we played them last year when I was with the Giants, so got a chance. It didn't go well, but we played them and got to see a lot of players. Allen didn't play, so that, I mean, they were even, they weren't working at full capacity, but it's a great opportunity to watch, you know, 17, 18 games, whatever it is, to get familiar with the players again. Team that has an aggressive coach, uh, especially when it comes to fourth downs. Mm-hmm. Um, do you plan accordingly for that? Like, it's not just a three down situation. It might be a four down situation. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, we we, we got you know look at everything. You know, and you know you try to find the pattern of the coaches, whether it's the offensive coordinator, or the head coach, and you got you got to study that stuff, and you have to be prepared for it. And especially game one, you have to be prepared for everything. So, that I would say yes. Patrick, with a quarterback like Justin that can put the ball anywhere on the mm-hmm. field, how much in, in a week like that do you have to keep emphasizing with defensive backs to stay disciplined when he starts to scramble? He's such an impressive uh, quarterback back there in the pocket. And then on top of that, you know, having the athletic ability and also have the athletic ability and be able to have the vision down the field. So, you know, that's probably the first thing you talk about because there's explosive plays that are planned and explosive plays that are, are, are off schedule. And, I mean, you just got to keep emphasizing it. But, but, you know, he has plenty of, you know, stuff that's not off schedule that he's making plays. But, you know, we're always focused on the big plays. You start there. How they get the ball down? the field so really the emphasis remains the same defend the deep part of the field and the role the defensive backs have on that and also the pass rushers they have a job with that too you know you let them out of the pocket now that's extra time extra time to go down the field everybody has a role that's that, that's the unique thing about defense in my opinion there's a lot of grass behind us and we have to find a way to defend it and everybody has a role whether it's in the run the pass even the deep ball the d-line has a role in that too we got to keep them in the pocket what does the revamped cornerback room have to do this season for it to be considered a success? We got to win. 
you know, that, that's how we uh, judge success around here, win. Um, and that's the most important thing. And thankfully, we got our first game this week. And we got to go out there and compete and try to win this game. And it started, you know, you know, a long time ago in the spring. And now we're in the first week of the season and preparing. And, you know, how we look at it, we look at we got to win Thursday. Then we got to win on Friday. Then we got to win on Saturday. So it goes back to the preparation and the readiness and getting ready because what we do on that practice field is the closest thing to the game. And, you know, we always talk about practice. Execution becomes game reality. When we get better at practice, we keep working on our techniques, the fundamentals, and then it shows up on Sunday and we play well, that's, that's what success is judged on, in my opinion. In talking with Anthony yesterday, I mm-hmm. asked him what the mentality is because it's a, it's a new room, but but mm-hmm. for everybody except for mm-hmm. Amika, I guess because he's the oldest. New room for me too. Yeah, for, for <laughs> yeah. you too as well. And he said the mentality's got to be a dog mentality. What, mm-hmm. what does that mean from a coaching standpoint? From you know the dog mentality. I mean, again, you got to understand it's like a twenty age, a twenty year age difference. So I I, I don't know. I I just want to. <laughs> The mentality I want them to have is to give better every day, uh, be good team, uh, be good teammates uh, and coworkers, and work hard every day. And that's what I'm looking for. So, what I want them to do, and I think the dog mentality might have something to do with this, is I want them to go out there and compete. And we got a room of guys that are willing to compete. And again, like I said, the competition started a while ago. And today we got to compete to win Thursday because I know they're working, so we're working. We're competing to win this Thursday, and they just keep building, just keep building until we get to Sunday. When you mentioned keeping the quarterback in the pocket, when mm-hmm. the natural tendency of your pass rushers is to get to the quarterback, mm-hmm. um, what are the principles involved in also being able to build a fence around the quarterback so he doesn't escape that pressure? So, I mean, I'll get technical a little bit. Like in terms of the, now, this goes to day one install before we talk about even who the quarterback is. You're trying to cage the quarterback. So usually, let's start with the assumption you have four people rushing. You got contain rush on both sides and then someone has to control the middle of the pocket and then there's like what we talk about in terms of b-gap control so like what you're trying to do is just crush the pocket around the quarterback so there's really four elements of it on a a normal play then you add a fifth rusher or you take away a rusher and you have a third rusher you're really trying to control those two things the contain on the outside the middle push who's in front of the quarterback and the b-gap step up that's when you look at pass rush but that's regardless whether we were playing the chargers or not and Thankfully, you know, Frank, Rob, Matt, those guys and head coaches emphasizing, you know, hey, this is how we rush the passer. But that was that started a long time ago. Lines, I mean, not I guess not to break down too much of what you guys want to do necessarily, but how do you kind of balance wanting to keep that discipline and, hey, we got to cage the quarterback with the freelancing rushers? You guys have like a guy like Crosby and Jones who who kind of do so much, you know, improvising, I guess, in their pass rush. How do you kind of balance those things? Again, we have some guys that have had a lot of success in this league because they're skilled and they work hard. You know, pass rush, you know, to me, and I've been fortunate, I've had some really good pass rushers around me um, in my career. It, you know, part of it's effort, part of it's understanding the principles and understanding how to crush the pocket for the quarterback. You know, again, there's certain elements, the pass rush, you know, people get caught up in the, uh, you know, like the fancy stuff, the stuff that shows up on TV and stuff like that. The best pass rushers I've been around, they understand how the pocket moves, how it's fluid in there. And just, you know, we try to make a point of them understanding the basic mechanics in the, of, of a pocket and how we got to try to affect the quarterback. So I, I don't use the term freelance. I see skill there and they have a pretty good understanding. Talk about players with versatility, especially in your scheme. One player that really stood out during OTAs and training camp and during the preseason, even though it's a small sample size, is Divine Diablo, mm-hmm. a converted free safety. He always obviously played and came in as a wide receiver as well. Can you talk about his take on skills 
converting from that safety position to that linebacker position and what kind of flexibility that gives you on the second level in that range and also being able to take on those bigger... Do you have these questions written down? This, I mean, like, I'm like... I, 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 I mean, good. I mean, that was pretty good, man. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say it starts with, you know, understand how we want to play the run. You know, we want to set the edge and build a wall inside, and it involves the edge being set from outside in, and it involves with people pressing the line of scrimmage. So it starts there. And then the want to. And I've seen an improvement um, over time with Diablo and uh, really impressed with how he's worked at it. But it starts with one, two, and then it, it starts with understanding what we're looking for, and then it starts, and then with one, two. And, you know, he, and he's worked on it every day. He's worked on it every day. You said it's uh, kind of who knows for you guys going into week one is you don't know really what you're going to say. But I, I got to think that the flip side is true as well, especially with you coming mm -hmm. in new defense, never really seen you with this personnel. Is there kind of an element of surprise that you can use to your advantage early? In the I mean, the, the first game, you know, is just, you know, you're trying to fill out, feel out your team. You know, there's going to be adjustments made within the game. So, you know, you might have an idea what you want to do. They come out, they do well. I mean, they got a lot of good players out there, starting with the offensive line. I know we talk about the quarterback, but, you know, you got the offensive line, you got the running back, you got the receivers, the tight end. They're all pretty dynamic. And they might, you know, <laughs> they might throw a, a monkey wrench into your, your plan. You got to change it. So, I just know that the first game, there's going to be a lot of adjustments going on. So, I mean, you try to anticipate and you try to, we try to game plan what we think is going to be best, but you got to be prepared to adjust during the game. Piggybacking off of the Devon Diablo mm -hmm. question, you have another linebacker that converted over from safety in college and Luke Masterson. Mm -hmm. What did you see from him throughout the preseason, throughout training camp that warrant him making this team? I think, you know, it starts with how uh, studious in terms of preparing for each day. I mean, he's here. He's here when I'm here for breakfast. You know, he's, he's here. He's working at that. You see him with his playbook or his I, I say playbook, but the iPad. That's what they use now. Um, and then the extra meeting time, the, the questions and then going out there and performing. That, that's how you make the team. You perform and that's how you make the team. And. Couldn't be more proud of the fact that he did that, and he knows that he has to earn it every day. And that's how he goes about his work day and, and his work week, and it's been pretty impressive for a young player. And I would say the conversion from safety to linebacker, he's a football player, and he maybe had to learn a little bit about the position a little bit more, but he's a football player. So, you know, we around here we like good football players, and we figure out places to put them, and he's, he's done a good job with that. Let's do three more. Deshaun Allen and Kevin. I mean, just, you know, the tree I came from, you know, um, with uh, Bill at New England, uh, we, the thing is you try to do what's best for the week to beat that team, to beat that opponent. So whatever that may be. I mean, if we have to change the front, if we have to change the coverage. I mean, again, it's not really that complicated. It's just, okay, let's take, let's make sure we take care of their strengths and let's attack their weaknesses. So, I mean, I, it's nothing, you know, it's not like I, we invented it. It's just, you know, I, th I think it's coaching. I think it's coaching. I think all of the other 31 teams are doing the same thing. They're trying to, you know, figure out a way to go after your weaknesses and try to, you know, make sure their strengths are, you know, showing up on the tape. So, it's, I mean, it's really how it's raised. You talked about watching the films you know, on the Chargers from last year, but the last game in particular, obviously, it was against the Raiders. Mm -hmm. You weren't here yet, but for a defensive coach to turn on that film, is that like watching a horror film to mm -hmm. see how much offense is going on in that game? No, no I mean, hey, there's more, more intel. 
<laughs> you know, it was more intel. It, it was an exciting game. I mean, I will say this. When we were watching the two-minute drive at the end of the night, it, that what, it was 30 plays, it felt like. <laughs> I mean, we were getting a little tired. We were getting a little tired. We were getting a little tired, but it was okay. You know, we fought through it. But, um, I mean, it, it was an exciting game. A lot of situations came up in it, you know. So, like, again, just get your brain going. I remember watching it over the summer break. I said, "Whoa, there's a lot of situations in this game going on. And, you know, you're sitting there trying to go to the beach and the pool and stuff, and, like, all of a sudden you're right there in the football mode because you're like, okay, here's P and 10 in two minutes. Okay, get back on track in two minutes. So I, I enjoyed watching the game. I enjoyed watching the game, especially because, you know, the Raiders won. So it was good. If it's possible, it seems that Austin Eckler sometimes flies under the radar with so much focus on... Not by me. Not by <laughs> from the outside. Okay. <laughs> on tape from him that really gives them the chance to be really balanced if they want to be with a running back like that. I mean, again, just knowing a little bit about his background from what I've read um, and then what you see on the tape, there's a level of toughness there. That I would say that there's not a lot of people on this planet that are as tough as this guy. You know, this guy, you know, how he got there, what he's done with his opportunity. You know, I'm always impressed with these young people. You know, people forget these guys are 25, 26, you know, going on 30, and they're the best in the world at what they do at such a young age. I mean, you got to applaud that. And, you know, to make that decision from whatever the start was, I'm just really impressed with what he does out there on the field and how he got to this point. And then you talk about the skill level. I mean, the guy can run. He could catch the ball. He blocks and pass pro. He's really impressive. They move him all around. So obviously he has some intelligence, football intelligence, in terms of knowing the scheme. And he scores points. And, you know, you talk about offensive players. He's a guy that can, he can catch. He could block. He could run. He could run between the tackles. He could run with the ball after catch. I mean, it's just a really impressive player that's definitely not under my radar because he's pretty dynamic and he could do everything right. You know, he could do everything at a high level, which is impressive. Thank you. There's defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, and you see why I wanted to play that, right? Man, I don't know about you, but he just gives me a little energy. He gives me a little boost. Like, man, you know that this dude's serious. And, you know, of course, obviously he's going to have his moments where he laughs and makes a joke here and there, but uh, you heard what he said about Austin Eckler. He don't fly under the radar to him. He knows exactly where that dude's at and knows what that dude is capable. So I just like Patrick Graham a lot. I think he's going to be a damn good defensive coordinator for the Raiders. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be around long uh, because if he's that guy that that I would expect him to be, he's going to be a head coach in the league. I I fully believe he's going to be a head coach in the league, and I was actually surprised that he's not a head coach right now. Thought that was a great pickup by Josh McDaniels to be able to get Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator. So uh, just... Just I, I like the foundation that he's laying right now. I like the the way that the defense at least looks like is shaping up. Of course, we haven't seen it in real life action with the starters out there, but from what we saw, just a little small glimpse, it looks like it's cooking in the right direction and, and going in the right direction. So you know, we'll get more thoughts from Vinny Bonsignor, who'll join us next here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text, 69187, keyword R&R from All Day Raider A. Keys to the game, stay aggressive and disciplined on defense and on special teams and to keep the team guessing on offense. I think our screen game and throwing to our backs out of the backfield be huge. No one has had to game plan for a Raider screen game in a very long time. Let's go Raiders. That's from All Day Raider A. And guy that knows a little something, something about game plans is Vinny Bonsignor, our next guest from the Morning Tailgate and also the Las Vegas Review Journal. He joins us now. And Vinny, appreciate your time. As always, let's start off with the game plan for uh, Sunday. What do you think one of the biggest keys will be for the Raiders in this upcoming game? 
Well, uh, obviously protecting uh, Derek Carr uh, and that offensive line. But, you know, when you're talking about game plans, and and we were talking about this uh, earlier on uh, the morning tailgate, I think you've got to be aggressive if you're the Raiders. I think you've got to challenge the Chargers to find out if they can defend everything that you've got, from Devontae Adams to Hunter Renfro to Darren Waller. I think the way you do that is by attacking him downfield. Also, you're going to find out pretty quick if your offensive line is ready for that challenge, too. So I think you have to come out aggressive. You have to force the issue with the Chargers and prove to you that they can stop what you have built here with the Raiders. You know, one of the things that I said as far as keys to the game, I thought that you had to establish a run to kind of slow down that pass rush with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Do you think that a heavy dose of the run game will be something that you see Josh McDaniels employ? I think you will, but just my sense, and I could be completely wrong, uh, Josh McDaniels always has tricks up his sleeve. Uh, but I think you got to do it in reverse. I think you have to attack uh, big time through the pass game and let that sort of complement the run game or help set up the run game. There's also ways that you can manage uh, those two pass rushers through your screen game. It's something that the Raiders didn't do very much mm-hmm. the last few years, but I have a feeling that's going to be a big weapon uh, against this team because when you start attacking downfield and guys start pinning their ears back and trying to get to the quarterback, one way you disrupt that or negate that uh, is by utilizing the screen game and making their aggressiveness play off against them. Yeah, Vinny, one of the things that I said about a key to the game will be to stop the deep ball. We had Nick Cother on from ChargerReport.com, and he mentioned about that's something that the Chargers have been working on this offseason, Justin Herbert getting more comfortable and throwing that deep ball. But after Patrick Graham's pressure today, how much confidence do you have in the Raiders' defense, but more particularly the secondary? I like the secondary, and I've been liking the secondary really since uh, you know going back to uh, uh, OTAs and, and minicamp and all that. I just like what they've built back there. I like the playmaking ability with Trayvon Merrig uh, on the back end, Nate Hobbs, obviously, Rocky Yassin and Anthony Averitt and, and that whole crew. Uh, but what I also noticed about what Patrick Graham was talking about was keeping Justin Herbert in the uh, in the pocket. You know, when you go back and watch the film last year of that epic battle that the Raiders won uh, to punch their ticket to the playoffs in January, a lot of plays that Justin Herbert was making, especially on some of those fourth downs and those third and longs, was when he was on the run. It was when he escaped uh, the pocket and escaped the pressure and was able to make off-schedule plays. So there's a fine line. Obviously, you want to get pressure on Justin Herbert or any quarterback for that matter. But there's a fine line in doing that, but doing it in a disciplined way where you're, as Patrick Graham talked about today, crushing the pocket rather than, you know, uh, forcing the issue, but then getting undisciplined and allowing him, Justin Herbert, to get out of the pocket and make plays that way. Yeah, Vinny, you mentioned about being disciplined and crushing the pocket. So what would be the fine line between we've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the edges for the Raiders, and these are two guys who are known for getting after quarterback and creating those pressures. So what's going to be that fine line between maybe blitzing and not blitzing enough? Yeah, um, well, first I want to see, if I'm Patrick Graham, I want to see if my front four can get it done. Uh, I think you'll definitely see blitzes, but that's a tricky thing Mm -hmm. against a quarterback like Dustin Herbert. He can make you pay. Uh, if you get a little too over-aggressive in that part of the game. So what I want to see, if I'm Patrick, is can the front four uh, create the, uh, the the necessary pressure? Um, and then part of that, you know, obviously, like you said, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, uh, they've been around a little while. I think they have a pretty good idea of what that fine line is between, 
getting to the quarterback, but then also being able to do it in a way that contains the pocket, but also getting some push up front as well. A lot of times what happens is that push up front pushes quarterbacks right into a Chandler Jones or right into a Max Crosby or vice versa sometimes as well. So uh, I think it's going to be a complimentary type pass rush. But before they start getting into the blitzes, uh, I'd like to see if they could get it done with the front four and then just drop everybody else back in coverage uh, and, and, and give you know uh, Josh Herbert some trouble that way. Talking all things Raiders right now, Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also the Morning Tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And, you know, we talked about Max Crosby quite a bit, and this week on this show we've really focused in on defense. What are your expectations, Vinny? Last season in training camp we identified Max Crosby as a guy who just looked different, looked faster, looked like he was in for a big year. Well, he had a big year. This is year four. He just got paid. What are your expectations for Crosby this upcoming season? I think um, I think he's still kind of just scratching the surface, if we're being honest. Last year was a breakthrough year for him, no question about it. But a lot of times, once you turn that corner as a great pass rusher, as a great defensive lineman, you never look back. And uh, you know, I saw it covering the rounds with Aaron Aaron Donald, where he could, he just kept getting better and still gets better. So I don't see anything different with Max Crosby. I think that he's going to continue to own his game. Uh, he's relentless. We saw that cue standing out there on practice every day, whether it was one on ones group settings, whatever it was, he was a load to deal with, rep in and rep out. It probably drives the offensive lineman crazy that a guy's out there playing every rep like it's the Super Bowl. But that's how you have to play in order to get to that level. And so I don't see any turning back uh, for Max Crosby this year. I see him pushing even further forward. And it sure is going to help to have A, Chandler Jones, uh, other D, other offensive linemen or offensive lines are going to have to deal with him somehow, some way, and that's probably going to free up uh, you know, a Max Crosby, but also the creativity uh, of Patrick Graham and what he does with the defense. And you're going to see, uh, you know, uh, Max deployed in a lot of uh, just different ways than you've seen him in the past. He's basically just been a standard 3-4 defensive end, put your hand in the ground, rush the passer. Well, we've seen him rush upright, um, you know, here in training camp or during training camp. We've seen him line up way out wide a little bit more closer, you know, shading over the tackle. So there's a lot of different ways that he's going to be deployed, and I think adding to that uh, and, and putting him in those situations is, is only going to help him and accentuate what he does. You know, uh, a lot of what we saw last season from the defensive line, especially the interior, we saw guys that Gus Bradley wanted to just kind of be thin and, and, and get skinny and, and get to the quarterback. Now, Patrick Graham brought in a bunch of guys that are 300-pound-plus dudes. He wants to stop the run. How much different do you think it's going to look like, and how do you think that interior of the Raiders' defensive line should look this year defensively? Yeah, and just doing some poking around, I think the Raiders really like uh, what they've built on that interior of the defensive line. And here's the thing, it might not always show in statistics. Um, you know, it, 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 keep a track of how many times guys like, you know, Jonathan Hankin are eating up double teams or Bilal mm -hmm. Nichols are eating up, up double teams. What does that do? That lets your linebackers go run and make plays. And I think that, you know, what you're talking about, the body types of this defensive line, um, a, I think they can get penetration. B, I think they can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, both in the run defense and, and rushing the passer. But C, I also think the way they're going to be utilized and deployed is going to help Denzel Perryman, Divine Diablo, Jayon Brown, whoever the linebackers are, to be able to go free them up really to go to go make plays in the uh, in the in the run game. And I think if you look at if you talk to Patrick Graham and look at what he likes to do. Building that wall to stop the run is priority number one. And you don't do that just with four defensive linemen. 
you do it with linebackers that are, you know, uh, filling gaps um, and, and run fitting in ways that absolutely build that wall. So it'll be interesting to see how that interior of the defensive line also helps those young line or those linebackers make plays as well. Talking again with Vinny Bonsignor here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Sticking with the linebackers, you know, we know what to expect from Denzel Perryman. He was a pro bowler a year ago. Devon Diablo, I think he's going to continue to get better. Jayon Brown, I said, I think he's going to be an X-factor, a guy who's going to be able to create some turnovers. But behind those two guys, there or behind those three guys, there's a couple undrafted free agents that made the 53-man roster. We heard Patrick Graham talking about Luke Masterson earlier today. Uh, what are your thoughts on that young man, that just what we were able to see from him in training camp and preseason? Yeah, um, I just, you know, you, you look at him, and A, he's, a, he's, he's big. You know, he's, he's a big physical player. Also was able to move around pretty well, was able to, uh, you know, um, help out in the pass game. He's also really smart. We saw him uh, calling defensive plays uh, with the green dot. So, um, you know, I think, he, I think he's got a bright future. What it means for his first year, um, you know, is he going to dress out? Is he going to be on the active roster? Uh, that'll be interesting to see. And I, I think because... You know, he brings some uh, play or, or uh, play calling ability. He might be a guy that you almost have to have on the roster just in case somebody goes down, and all of a sudden now he's got to come in there and command the defense. But it with, between him and Darian uh, Butler as well, how many linebackers are, are they going to dress out, and who doesn't dress out? Yeah, Vinny, something that I wanted to ask about, because a caller or texter mentioned it earlier, about the special teams going to be a factor for both sides of the for, for each team. Who do you think the Raiders are going to have back there on punt return? Is Hunter Renfro still going to have those responsibilities? If I'm if I'm calling the shots, yes. Um, you know, we to me, he's a guy that has the ability to take it to the house. Um, I think he, I, I want to say he had a long uh, punt return against the Chargers back in the day, a couple of years ago. He had one last year that a touchdown that was brought back uh, because of a holding call. So um, yeah, I think if if it's, if I'm calling the shots. I think you put your best players uh, in, in, in on the field as much as you possibly can. He, to me, is the best punt returner on this team, so I would expect him to get that call. The other part of it is we go, we talk about that 48-man roster, um, you know, that, that game day roster. Does DJ Turner dress out consistently? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and if he, he would be the next guy up, I would think, as the punt returner. So, uh, but the problem is he might not be dressing out, uh, you know, every single week. We have to keep track of that. So. Uh, for me, it's Hunter Renfro, but I could see why maybe the coaches would say, you know what, uh, he's too valuable to risk back there. Although I sometimes wonder if that's overplayed. Like, is there a history of, uh, you know, do we have a history of knowing that punt returners get hurt, you know, uh, disproportionately? to everybody else. I, I do wonder sometimes if that gets overplayed. Yeah, no, I think it does every once in a while, and, and I know I've said it a few times about, you know, making sure you protect Hunter Renfro, but, you know, you look at some of the teams around the league, and they have their big-time players out there being that punt returner, so you, you make a good point there, Vinny. We just got a couple more questions for you. Earlier this week, you had put out the tweet about Darren Waller and his contract extension potentially, um, you know, getting closer and closer, and I saw it was, uh, it was focused on today on the Pat McAfee show. He even said your name right. Uh, where are we right now with the whole Darren Waller situation i think um i think it's going to happen sooner rather than later will it happen by tomorrow or sunday uh can't necessarily make that call you know there's always some t's to cross and i's to to dot and everything mm-hmm. like that but i think they're close uh and i and i know that both sides want to get this done so there's motivation and there's momentum building toward it will it happen will they get it you know buttoned up uh, before Sunday, I think everyone would like that to happen. It would be a great story going into uh, into the game. But I think more than anything, 
you know, what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels want to do. And when you look at who they have locked up for these next three or three years or so, Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, add Darren Waller uh, to that list here pretty soon. That's the core. That's the foundation. And when you have your foundation in place for X number of years, that X number of years represents the window, how long that window is going to be open. And I really think that uh, Josh and, and Dave want to just keep that window open for the next three years, we'll open it up as wide as possible. And when you start talking about those types of players, that gives you that window. That opens up that kind of a window, uh, and they want to maximize it for these next three years. Yeah, Vinny, something about Darren Waller's contract negotiations that I wanted to ask is that we've seen with Lamar Jackson, he's addressed it and said, hey, once the ball kicks off on Sunday, I'm not talking about contract extensions or negotiations for the rest of the season. But for the Raiders and Darren Waller on his side as well, there, there, there is no imaginary deadline, right? Like there is no if it doesn't get done by Sunday, it could still just get done on Tuesday and be just as fine, right? Yeah, um, I, I haven't heard anything uh, to to that extent whatsoever. Um, you know, and, and you know, Darren's kind of wired a, a certain way. I think he's as chill as it comes. Not to say that Lamar isn't, but you know, as a quarterback too, you've got a lot on your plate. So um, he might be just thinking, look, you know, I'm going to give it to now, um, but but that's it, and then we'll we'll revisit it uh, at the end of the year, and then hope if you're Lamar that you have another big year and you up the ante just a little bit more. Uh, so he might be playing it that way. Uh, whereas I think Darren, especially with, from what I understand, kind of how close they are, uh, there's no need to put any kind of, you know, uh, deadline on it and, and, and create some urgency that doesn't really need to be created. It seems like it's headed in the right direction. So uh, unless there's like a major breakdown, you know, between now and, and when he signs it, and then that shelves it uh, for a period of time, uh, I see this getting done, and I don't see any deadlines being being talked about or anything like that. Vinny, as we close things out with you, we had a caller earlier uh, mention something that you said on the morning tailgate this morning about the Raiders and Chargers in that Week 18 game, how the Raiders were, in, in their words, content with, uh, with, with you know, tying the game and just both teams going to the, the playoffs. And I said, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I said what I think Vinny meant was the Raiders knew that they had at least a tie and they were going to go to the playoffs, but there was no time that they just wanted to settle for a tie. No, 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 no. But at that at that point in the game, um, you know, rather than line it up and maybe lose it, you know, get it blocked or something like that, uh, or or get somebody hurt or take a chance that didn't need to be taken, I think they were okay with. All right, you know, it looks like we all have arrived here at the same time at the same place. Um, we're make we, our our playoff state is sealed. All we got to do is take a knee, and that's that. You know, they didn't care who else was getting into the playoffs. They had confidence in themselves that they were going to be able to go do what they had to do in the playoffs. But when they called the timeout and gave the Raiders some time to think about it and it also kind of changed the dynamics a little bit, too. Like, now we can't just let the, you know, uh, uh, the clock run out. we gotta, we got to take a play here. You know, right, it wasn't, right. there wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't think it was they were content with both teams or anything like that. I just felt like the, the way they were playing it as the, as, time, as the clock was running out, all right, we're good. If you're good, that's fine. Let's go. But you call timeout, oh, now you're forcing the hand a little bit. we got to do something, so let's kick it and win it. Yeah, let's go win the game. Yeah, okay, I, I got you. That's kind of where I thought you were going with it, but I wasn't 100% sure, so just wanted to get some clarification. I know I said that that was the last question, but uh, is there some kind of code that was going on today with the Raiders media where I saw everyone tweeting out pictures of Magic Johnson? Uh, no, what happened was um, our good friend Hondo Carpenter, uh, I think he was talking to uh, was it Patrick Graham uh, when he was asking Patrick Graham a question. Uh, he brought <laughs> up how Urban Johnson – 
once told him. Uh, and so, you know, Hondo, he likes to bring up uh, he name drop, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and he, didn't go <laughs> he went Irvin, Irvin Johnson with it. Um, and so I think people were just having a little fun with uh, with Hondo and his, and his name dropping. Nice, nice. Well, between Hondo uh, dropping Magic Johnson's name and having a blue steak the other night, you know, it's all good. Hondo's going to Hondo, right? <laughs> They, 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 they do. There's something's in the water out there in Michigan, man. I don't, I'm just gonna say. There you go. There you go. Well, Vinny, fantastic stuff. You're gonna be at the. Are you at the Tuscany tonight? I am. I'm uh, headed over there just a little while. Uh, we're gonna watch some Rams uh, Bills. The season is here. Can't wait to watch that game. And then obviously the big one coming up on Sunday: Chargers against the Raiders. Yes, yes. So Pub Three Sixty Five. You guys got any specials going on or anything? Uh, definitely great food, uh, great drinks. We'll have some giveaways and things like that. Uh, but more than anything, it's just for, uh, you know, uh, local NFL fans or Raider fans. You want to come watch the, uh, watch the big game tonight. Uh, talk Raider football, get ready for Sunday's game. We're there for you. There you go. Sounds good. Well, Vinny, thanks so much, man. It's always great to catch up with you. Continue to do a fantastic job as you do, uh, not only on the radio station, but also with the RJ, man. We appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, there he goes. Vinny Bonsignor right there. You can catch him every single morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang. And, of course, putting out fantastic work on the RJ as well. And I almost forgot about Pub 365. I was like, man, I forgot to ask him about Pub 365. It's going down tonight. I'm got to get over there. I still haven't got over there. Uh, I had it on my to-do list this past weekend, and, well, that to-do list did not get to done. <laughs> Just in. 351's the time. Take a break. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got a text from the 707. I think Denzel Perryman will show everyone what a great blitzer he is this year, which is something he wasn't allowed to do with the Raiders' previous defensive coordinator. If he can add another six to eight sacks, it will help to turn this defense into a monster. And I'll say this, Gus Bradley obviously did not blitz. We know that. And he's pretty much been with Gus Bradley throughout the course of his career. Uh, Denzel Perryman to date only has five career sacks. So for him to get six this year would be a monster season. But you never know. Denzel Perryman last season uh, basically doubled his uh, his largest total ever for tackles in a season. His biggest his biggest season I see is from 2015 with the Chargers, 73 combined tackles. Last year with the Raiders, he had 154. So, uh, again, five career sacks for Denzel Perriman, three career interceptions for Denzel Perriman. So he could end up being one of the big keys as long as the big uglies up front, the front as far as that defensive line goes, the interior of the defensive line, do their job. It could free Denzel Perriman up to have a really big season. 3.57 is the time. We'll come back, talk to Lincoln Kennedy to kick off hour number three of the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.